Welcome to the next in our online conversation series. My name is Paula Gooder and I'm the Canon Chancellor here at St Paul's Cathedral, which means that I look after theology and learning within the cathedral. Today's conversation is with the Right Reverend Lusa Nsenga Ngoi, who is the new Bishop of Wilsdon. Our conversation, as always, ranged widely. We began thinking about the resurrection and its importance to us, but we also thought about Holy Saturday, about prayer and contemplation, and particularly how prayer and contemplation not only informs us as Christians, but sends us out to act as people passionate about social justice. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Bishop Lusa. Lusa, it's great to have you with us and to talk about Easter and resurrection and all things hopeful. So it feels like a good place to begin to ask you whether you've got a favourite Easter story. Um, well, I presume you're asking for an Easter story from Scripture itself. Uh, well, well, yes, or, or wherever you like, but let's start with Scripture. So, um, I think one of my favourite uh, uh, narrative is uh, the visit of, of the women to, um, to the tomb and that encounter between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Uh, and the, the very exchange that they have where Mary is referred to by name. Uh, and, and that, I think, resonates quite deeply with me, uh, not least because it's a question around uh, identity and uh, the way in which we name people. But I come from a culture in which names are really uh, significant and important. And, and a name is not given to one just as a, as a referential, as a way of identifying them but a name uh, says something about uh, the destiny and the hopes that are projected into that person. The names that we're given connects us to uh, our heritage uh, and a history uh, of, of people and a place. Uh, but above all, a name is also a way in which we, are, uh, we belong to a community. Uh, and a person who is called uh, is uh, not just referenced, but also uh, invited to be part of the world, or the realm of the living. And once your name stops being called, uh, that signifies death uh, and, and oblivion in many ways. And so hearing that uh, narrative of Mary being named uh, in that place where resurrection happens, in some ways it's an invitation for her to enter the realm of the, the living and to be named as one who is connected, one who belongs, one who is in, in relationship. And so that bit of, of the, the Eastern narrative is, is one that is quite dear to me. Thank you. I love that one as well. And there's, I think if there was any part of resurrection stories that make me want to cry every year, it's that moment when you hear Jesus say Mary's name um, and Mary recognises who Jesus is. And there was something really powerful about that. So resurrection is a really important idea, um, both in the scriptures, but actually for the world that we live in today. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about why, for you, resurrection is a really important part of our life today and why that um, it feeds your faith as a Christian? I really like the idea that uh, resurrection is important, not just for the scriptures, but, but actually it, it is embedded and rooted in, in the way we live our life. Uh, and, and I think it is true for the whole of scripture. Uh, we can sometimes read it as a distant document that, that is lifeless, uh, but uh, there, there is some beauty in, 
and trying to read our stories into the story of faith uh, or to enable the story of faith to read our own story. Um, and so for me, uh, resurrection uh, speaks of hope, speaks of uh, opportunity, speaks of novelty, uh, speaks uh, of creation or recreation. Um, and, and most recently, my personal experience of resurrection uh, you may uh, not be surprised, has been somehow linked and weaved around uh, some of the, the issues and narratives around social justice and racial justice in particular. Um, in uh, the wake of the, the murder of George Floyd, uh, I think myself and, and many uh, other black and brown people around the world uh, felt all the, the burden and, and the trauma of racial abuse somehow manifest itself in our lives in a way in which most of us had never anticipated uh, or, or, or even imagined. Uh, but in that place of pain and suffering, what drove many of us was not uh, just uh, a desire to, to revert things, but to transform things, uh, to be in a place where we could live lives uh, that would be not fractured, not binary, uh, not polarized, but lives that would be reconciled. Uh, and, and for me, uh, there's been a process through which uh, I've been invited to engage deeply and fully with that very experience of, of, of trauma and name it for myself as something that I was carrying within me uh, and that was manifesting in, in ways uh, that, that were painful, actually physically painful. Um, and, uh, and in uh, dwelling and wrestling with, with the pain uh, of racial injustice, but also wrestling not just with myself or, or with my people, uh, but seeing others uh, uh, being awakened to that reality and the need of uh, retelling our shared story in ways that uh, create spaces uh, for brave conversations, uh, but also for a transformed way of relating uh, and living with one another. That I started to see uh, insights or uh, or promises of the hope that many of us are looking for. Uh, I don't think it's a hope that is yet fully realized, uh, but it's a hope that is certainly taking us uh, into a world uh, where the possibilities are a lot more immediate. Uh, and so for me, there is something of that, that lived reality of resurrection, which is not simply uh, a static narrative that happens in a given context, but it's one that uh, weaves itself uh, into every step, every movement of life in a way that will not leave any of us untouched and unchanged and unmoved. Uh, and so my hope and prayer is that uh, as we uh, launch ourselves deeper into the movement uh, uh, of resurrection, that we may be carried by that wave that will take us into a place where as we look back, we will recognize that we've been on, on a journey of, of, of transformation, of, of healing, of, of, of reconciliation and, and restoration to something of uh, a fuller version and a full expression of our humanity. Thank you. It sounds as though Holy Saturday, Good Friday and Holy Saturday are as important in your description of resurrection as Easter Day is. Um, is that right? And how would you kind of express that? I mean, in a way, you've kind of started to touch on that, but it, that feels quite an important part of your story. 
Yes, and, and I think it's really important when we, uh, we explore uh, or mark or celebrate Easter to remember that uh, Easter is not a singular event, uh, actually. It's one that is connected uh, not just in, in the death of, of Jesus, but in his life as well. So, uh, so history, uh, in, in some ways, uh, is not just a, a succession of, of punctuations, uh, but it, it's a cohesive narrative. Um, and so for me, uh, it is impossible to uh, enter the hope and the joy that um, Easter carries without recognizing that, uh, uh, or without intentionally journeying through the experience of Good Friday and, and Holy Saturday. I remember uh, a South African friend and, and, and colleague who was commenting uh, a, a few years ago about the fact that um, in ministry, uh, on, uh, in his ministry in, in, in South Africa, one of uh, the experiences that puzzled him was, was how Good Friday was actually the day that mobilized uh, most of his congregation and, and somehow uh, liberated their imaginative capacity. Uh, and as we were reflecting, we, we commented on the fact that actually for, for most of them, Good Friday was an echo of their lived experience. Uh, they felt held in that, in that place uh, of, of brokenness, uh, of, of abuse, of, of isolation and exclusion, uh, but also recognizing that we actually read or oh, enter the story of, of, of Easter, uh, Holy Saturday and Good Friday from a different vantage point. So we look at that story uh, from the, the end going backward. Uh, and, and, and it is important to name that uh, particular vantage point. But also the, the sense that actually it is important to, to be able to, um, uh, to inhabit that place uh, of, of brokenness, which is often the echo of, of most of our reality uh, in life. That place where, uh, where hope feels uh, inaccessible, where despair feels a lot more immediate, uh, where, where pain uh, is lived and felt uh, and embodied uh, with, within our, our lives and, and, and our stories. And again, Holy Saturday for me is perhaps um, perhaps the most honest place that we could be or, or I could be. Uh, that place uh, where I'm held between pain uh, and, and hope, between, uh, be, between despair uh, and transformation, uh, and, and a place where uh, I, I need to recognize uh, in the depth of silence uh, the experience that I've encountered and where I'm preparing myself to enter uh, uh, a, a new world. Uh, and, and again, I, I love the idea of, of Holy Saturday, of, of Jesus in the darkness of, of the tomb. And the darkness of the tomb not being a place of despair, but, but, but perhaps like in the poem of creation, uh, the darkness that precedes uh, the emergence of, of light, which is a creative space uh, out of which uh, everything that is called into being will emerge. Uh, and so Holy Saturday for me uh, is a phase that or a day that we, we ought to recapture and rediscover as a church, recognizing that uh, there is an invitation for us uh, to name the fracture of the past, the pain uh, of the past, not as a forgotten reality, but one that is still at work uh, in us. 
but recognizing that it, it isn't a normative space in which we, we are called to live in and walk in uh, and open ourselves to uh, the, that imaginative power that, that has got uh, co cosmic uh, transformative energy. Uh, and as we open ourselves to that, uh, and only there perhaps might we enter truly, fully, honestly uh, into the joy of Easter. That's really, really helpful. Um, how do you do it? Because I think one thing that I'm really kind of struck with when you're talking is and kind of the power of that emotion of the being in the pits of despair and feeling as though there is um, hopelessness all around you. Um, and yet, and you so beautifully articulate being kind of drawn into resurrection life. And I'm just wondering how you do it personally, because I know a lot of us um, um, through various recent um, events have felt absolutely gripped by despair. And at those moments, it can be really hard to hold on to resurrection, can't it? Because it, it can feel as though you're, you're entirely Good Friday and nowhere near Easter Day. Um, do you have anything that you do in those times that reminds yeah. you? of the Easter moments? Well, I, I think for me, it's, uh, it's remembering that hope is a practice. Uh, uh, again, I've, I've said earlier, I've spoken earlier about the fact that uh, uh, it isn't just about uh, events, it's not just about moments, but it's about movement. And so for me, there is something about uh, developing spiritual practices that, uh, that enable me uh, not uh, to enter into a space of, uh, of, of escapism. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think in, in my early years uh, uh, in, in faith uh, and perhaps in ministry even, uh, there was uh, a temptation to kind of throw myself into a positivism or positivist vision uh, of faith and vision of the world. Um, but the more uh, I experienced the, the reality of life and, and my own reality, uh, the more I'm invited or, or the more I discover uh, the beauty of, um, I think, what uh, uh, the ancient called uh, equanimity, that, that invitation to kind of wrestle uh, and, and inhabit and enter, lean into the discomfort of life. And as, we, uh, and as I lean into the discomfort, uh, in many ways, uh, I stop fighting and struggling with it uh, or, or, or try to explain it away. Uh, or write it out of my narrative, but but fully enable it to be part of my story, of my life. Uh, and in the process of naming it, I'm, I also need to remind myself of the fact that uh, discomfort, uh, disruption, uh, are also part of a movement that enable, uh, in inevitably will take me to uh, uh, what I often refer to as a place of dislocation. Um, and, and this location, not in being dismembered, uh, but, but where I am uh, taken from, from one place, one expression, uh, one uh, embodiment uh, into another one. And it becomes, therefore, not just a leaping from one moment to, to another, uh, but a movement uh, in, in which uh, the whole of my life becomes part of a unified and a cohesive narrative one that enables me uh, to both name the pain, uh, but also anticipate the hope. Um, and I guess in, um, uh, in Ignatian spirituality, they would talk about um, uh, uh, the desolation uh, and consolation. And so for me, there is something about uh, 
uh, creating a space where those realities of life uh, are constantly present in me, uh, but not present in a way that uh, uh, that 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 threaten uh, life and, and chokes life within me, uh, but that somehow release me, uh, unwrap me and, and unravel me into a new expression and a new vision of, of, of who I am uh, and who I hope and, and aspire to be. And that leads us really well, I think, onto my next question, which is about your passion for social justice. One of the things that is a real marker um, about your, the things that you've done in the past are that you have fought in so very many different ways um, for social justice. And it feels as though you were talking about making things um, a part of a whole, and it feels as though this is why you get your passion for social justice. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um... I wonder whether sometimes uh, the environment in which we live uh, and the voices that we, uh, we invite to speak into our lives uh, in some ways uh, start shaping and framing uh, our, our own perspective uh, on the world, uh, on, on ourselves. Um, and, and I think for me, uh, live, growing up as, uh, as a young uh, African boy in, in Europe, uh, and wrestling with questions about uh, my identity, uh, but also my, my place and my purpose in a society that, that often was um, uh, predicated on the assumption that uh, I would not uh, fully belong. Uh, those uh, steps and journeys in my life caused me to, uh, to consider the world uh, not in a way that enables me to be satisfied with status quo, uh, but, but have that constant um, dissatisfaction uh, with, with, with the world uh, as it was not while anticipated uh, or, or imagined that it could be uh, much more than that. Uh, and, and I think in, in the process of, uh, of engaging with some of those uh, questions and conversations that initially were very self-interested uh, and self-concerned, uh, progressively recognizing that uh, actually uh, I am part of, of a fellowship of the wounded uh, and, and, and the broken. Uh, and, and in that process, uh, be, becoming uh, attentive to, to the groans that are here around me. Uh, and I guess the challenge is, is, is how do we pay attention to the groans around us without enabling them to somehow deafen us to, to anything else uh, and to become oppressive. Uh, and so for me, uh, it, it's been uh, you know, an awakening to, to some of the, the fractures that people inhabited and uh, the fault lines in our society. Uh, and, and I think it's, um, I can't remember whether it's uh, Isaiah, or oh, Ezekiel, I think, uh, the, the prophet who, who talks about uh, God seeking uh, people who would stand in the gap uh, uh, on, on, on behalf of the, the fractures of the world. Uh, and, and for me, it feels like a calling uh, that is directed to me as an individual, uh, the sense that uh, there is uh, an opportunity for me as I encounter some of the fractures of life not just to be um, a spectator uh, or, or even uh, a distant critique. Um, and and I, I find that tension quite, quite, quite difficult because it is quite easy for me 
to sit at the back uh, behind a, a keyboard and, 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 and be a, a sort of virtual activist. Uh, and so for me, uh, it, it is out of that, that sense of, um, of a compelling vision of a future that could be radically different, uh, less polarized, less fragmented, uh, a lot more reconciled, uh, a lot more enabling all the fullness of each of our humanity to, to flourish, that uh, I feel drawn into some of those spaces and offer my voice, uh, not always from a place of, 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 a, of a victim, of a marginalized and minoritized group, but often recognizing that uh, from my own place of privilege, I need to be the one speaking uh, into that compelling vision of, of the future and inviting others uh, to join in uh, and labor to, uh, to curate that space in that world where uh, true justice uh, can be experienced by all. And what are the issues that are particularly close to your heart at the moment? I know that through um, your ministry, there have been particular issues that you have um, fought for in terms of social justice. Are there any that are particularly important to you right now? Yeah, I mean, what, one that I'm uh, actively involved in uh, is um, issues around uh, gender-based violence uh, and more specifically uh, working at... Uh, uh, attending to, to the needs of, 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 of girls and, and women. Uh, and I work um, with an organization called, um, in, uh, not Initiative of Genji, is, is another one, um, uh, called uh, Making Her Story, uh, which is really committed uh, to tackle gender-based violence, uh, but also to, to address some of the structural issues uh, and the systemic uh, issues around uh, gender-based violence. Um, uh, I'm also actively involved uh, in an organization called Initiative of Change. Uh, Initiative of Change, uh, which has got uh, Christian roots in its identity uh, and works from uh, the principle that uh, global transformation and change starts with a commitment to change and transform uh, oneself. Uh, and out of that uh, desire and commitment to work on self, uh, we actively and intentional, intentionally partner with others in building bridges across uh, uh, whatever divides uh, we, we encounter. And so that, that organization has got uh, a UK base, uh, but it also has uh, a global resonance to it. Thank you. That's um, both of them sound um, quite amazing. Um, now you're um, moving into a new role. Um, you are now the Bishop of Wilsdon, but your previous role was in Leicester. And I know that you were very involved in Leicester um, with um, a, a new monastic community involving young people, um, which, which is known um, as being a house of prayer. And I was wondering if you'd like to tell us a little bit about it, because it sounds quite an inspiring organisation. Yes, well, um, I, I, I was fortunate to be connected or, or married to the right uh, woman. So my wife had, had trained uh, in the, um, the London Centre for Spirituality as a spiritual director. Uh, and as we're moving to, to Leicester, uh, the one person she knew uh, was the, the person invited to be the prior uh, of the, the then only dreamed of uh, a new monastic community. Uh, and so when we arrived, we were invited to be part of a small group uh, that would uh, work at designing, uh, at giving birthing that, that, that community. And, and so it was a, a wonderful 
a season in our life, um, and particularly as we, we came uh, with a role that did not necessarily attach us to uh, a particular worshiping community. So that became, uh, in many ways, uh, uh, a worshiping community, uh, a support network. Uh, and it was really uh, powerful to be part of a community uh, that was wholly committed uh, to prayer uh, and, and service. And so enter and share with them uh, uh, a rhythm of life, built around uh, a, a rule of, of life uh, uh, framed around particular values uh, that were uh, close to our hearts uh, at a personal level, but also be invited into embracing values that others uh, had been uh, carrying and, and therefore uh, expanding uh, our charism uh, as, as individuals, but also as, as a community. Uh, and progressively, that community started to uh, to, to take life and and and, and be shaped up. Uh, and uh, four or five years forward, uh, that community now gathers uh, a, a, a vibrant group of young adults um, who are spending a, a year exploring their own sense of of calling and purpose in life uh, and in ministry, and actively uh, serving the. Uh, various church communities, uh, but also committed to holding uh, the diocese and, and the world indeed uh, in prayer. And, and it's wonderful to, to still be part of, of that community. And, and even as we prepare to move uh, away from Leicester, uh, we remain uh, part of that community and we'll continue to, to join in with them uh, at the distance in the cycles of, of, of prayer. Uh, but also in the commitment uh, to attend to, to the rule of life that we uh, subscribe to together. To hear about prayer um, alongside um, kind of the activism that we were talking about earlier. Can you talk to us a little bit about why prayer and activism go so well together for you? It seems as though those are your kind of your twin engines that can fire you. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and why prayer um, kind of inspires you in that kind of way. See, when I first started studying theology, uh, I was in my, my late teens uh, and uh, early 20s, um, and I was drawn to um, uh, liberation theo theologians, um, uh, and I was really um, inspired and infused by their call to, to practice and, and to, to action. Uh, and that was uh, initially, I think, my my favorite posture into life and, and in ministry. Uh, but further on, um, I, I realized that actually uh, many of the people who've been actively involved in transforming the world, transforming their communities, did so not from a posture of action first, but, but really deeply rooted in contemplation. And it's something that doesn't really work with my, uh, my temperament. Uh, I find contemplation a challenging exercise. Um, and yet I find that uh, a discipline that is, that is vital uh, because one, it, uh, it repositioned me. Uh, I was talking earlier about dislocation uh, and I think prayer is one of those activities that, that does not leave us uh, unmoved. Um, and so prayer uh, for me has been really vital in, in enabling me to be dislocated, uh, uh, transported from uh, places of, 
uh, of deep self uh, conviction into places where my conviction uh, emanates not from uh, a rational or, or conceptual notions, uh, but really uh, out of a relational space and relational place. And so prayer for me uh, is, is less about uh, getting a, a series of, of requests answered, uh, but it's, it's really about uh, a posturing exercise. How do I open myself to the world in a way that is honest, in a way that is open? How do I uh, offer myself to God uh, in a way that enables God to move in me and to move through me? And so prayer, therefore, becomes, uh, as, as you beautifully put, uh, the engine uh, that I think uh, spurs me into action. Uh, it becomes uh, the, the basis, uh, I, I guess, the rootedness for me uh, in the essence of, of, of who uh, I believe God is calling me to be. Uh, and it becomes uh, a process through which uh, I am constantly called to uh, examine and re-examine my intention my, uh, my, my aspirations, uh, but also the way in which uh, I enter and engage with, with others. It's, that's lovely to hear and really, really inspiring. Um, I know that some people struggle with prayer. Um, and I used to have a friend um, who um, would say to me, um, I watch people praying and I've no idea what they're doing. Um, and I wish I knew what they were doing because I'd like to do it. Um, and I wonder whether you if, you, if you were to speak to my friend, um, what would you say to her? How would you encourage somebody for whom prayer is feels like an impossibility that it just it's it's a language she used to say that it was some um, when when she was young she missed French for a week in school and when she got back everyone seemed to know what they were doing and she never picked it up because it was it always felt like it was it had kind of gone gone ahead and for her prayer was like that yeah. um, and I wonder what you would say to people who would say well well prayer just feels like a language that some people know and I don't know it um, yeah. wh how, how would you um, kind of encourage them I, th I think that's a, a it's a beautiful and, and wise analogy um, I, I sometimes wonder whether part of the challenge uh, and, and I've been there myself uh, part of the challenge is, is that uh, prayer becomes a, a performative task and a performative exercise where uh, we we want to quantify prayer and, and, and assume that actually uh, prayer is the output uh, and therefore uh, there should be um, uh, some outcomes that come out of it uh, that need to look like this, 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 and feel like this, this, uh, and, and that. And I wonder whether actually, if we move away from, from the sense uh, of, of prayer as a performative act, uh, but, but, but prayer being more, um, I think something that fits within the rhythm of of who we are, uh, and I mean, I, I grew up speaking French, so uh, I, I think anyone should uh, spend a bit of time uh, attending to uh, learning French and, and and speaking French. Life would be a lot easier if the whole world spoke French, uh, and uh, maybe not. Um, and 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 so. Uh, if language is uh, an analogy that, that we want to use. Uh, so the, the point of language uh, is not about memorizing grammar. It's not about, um, uh, uh, 
you know, gathering, uh, accumulating vocabulary. The point of language is communication, uh, is, is relationship. And so prayer is, is a vehicle that enables us uh, to enter in relationship uh, with ourselves, with uh, the neighbor, uh, with, I think, the whole of creation uh, and, and with God. And, and it's something that I'm, I'm learning to develop myself. So, so how, um, how does prayer fit into, into my life in relation, for instance, to some of the uh, environmental uh, emergency conversations and questions that, that we are facing? And so prayer for me becomes not just, uh, again, a specific moment, but it becomes a posture that, uh, that I take into life. Uh, it, it's, it's a lens through which I'm invited to read my own story and read the story um, of, of the world. Um, I can't remember who, who said that, but I, I always found that quite liberating, uh, the sense that prayer is not about changing the heart of God, but prayer uh, often changes the heart of the one who prays. Um, and so uh, the encouragement that I, that I would give her is, is to say, actually, don't try to run a marathon uh, before you can you can walk, uh, and don't see prayer as a performative a performative exercise that uh, gives you uh, a few uh, you know points uh, on onto a particular league. Uh, but prayer becomes the posture that you take into life, uh, and it's a posture uh, both that is relational in essence, um, and and that is transformative uh, in in expression and in experience. That's fabulous advice. I'm sure she'll love it. Um, I'd like to end by asking you what gives you hope. In a way, you've answered that all the way through our conversation today. But I wondered if there was anything in particular that you'd like to draw our attention to as looking out at the world, which can feel overwhelming and um, hard, and that the battles we fought in the past, you have to fight again and again. It can feel very dispiriting, can't it? But what gives you hope at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you're right in, in the sense that uh, the, the despair sometimes seems to be the, the overarching narrative uh, that we are confronted with, uh, whether it's in geopolitical questions, whether it's uh, on issues around environment. Uh, and, and, and for me, in uh, the, this new role that I'm taking on as a bishop within the, the church, I recognize uh, some of the ex existential anxieties uh, that we're carrying as an institution. And all of that uh, has got the capacity of eroding, um, eroding hope. Um, and, uh, and, and in some ways, in, in eroding hope, um, uh, rob us uh, of, of a real sense of, of joy in, in, in life. And, uh, and I wonder whether there's also a point there uh, of, of distinguishing uh, between uh, uh, Kind of happiness and joy and and happiness being uh very circumstantial happiness be, being uh exuberance being uh, excessive at, at times uh and always punctual um but but joy instead uh is rooted in the essence of of of, of who we are called to be um and and joy is uh taking us to a place of of contentment uh, and, and contentment, I think, uh, birth uh, a, a sense of, of, of life uh, that is 
less preoccupied with uh, hoarding uh, whatever it is that we are wanting to hoard, uh, but is taking us into a place that is uh, deeply collective and, and uh, built around community, uh, around compassion, uh, around uh, the, the need uh, to, to partner uh, rather than enter in competition. And so what perhaps fills me with hope uh, is to encounter stories of people, sometimes public stories and sometimes private stories, of people who've made a choice and a commitment to be uh, what Desmond Tutu used to call prisoners of hope, uh, who aren't uh, driven by um, existential anxieties uh, that creates polarities and tensions and competition, uh, but people who are truly committed uh, to see the divine in the other and enable that divine to, to flourish. Uh, people who are committed uh, to not be uh, drowned by, by pain and suffering, uh, but in the silence of Holy Saturday, uh, uh, readying themselves to burst out open uh, into um, a new world, a new creation, a new order of things uh, where life is as it ought to be. Uh, uh, I think I find hope in, uh, in, in the energy that we collectively commit uh, in attending to the fractures of the past, not wanting to um, uh, kind of erase them, uh, but redress them uh, and hope in those places where we're not just committed about creating safe spaces, but, but brave spaces where we have those difficult conversations, where we enable lament uh, to, to be heard uh, and, and lament to take us to a place uh, of, of repentance, reparation, and, and ultimately reconciliation. That gives me hope, uh, that feeds my hope, uh, and that energizes me uh, to, uh, to labor and work towards uh, the emergence and uh, the full realization of hope. Lisa, thank you so much. We started talking about Easter stories and you said, did I want to have a scriptural story or another kind of Easter story? Feels like we began with scripture and ended with a modern day life. So it's been wonderful talking to you and thank you so much. Thank you, Flora.